Hey everyone, welcome back to the One Tour Podcast. You're here with your host Ryan. Before we start this episode, if you could please give the show a rating, a follow, if you could share it around with the people that will get the value from this podcast, that will be epic because this podcast is all about bringing resources, knowledge, and information around mental health, health, well-being, mindset, everything about personal development and personal growth. This is a platform where you can come for the information and resources to adapt and bring more growth into your life. So if you please share the podcast around and give it a follow and give it a rating, that would mean so much into getting this podcast into the places where it should be in terms of growth so it can reach a bigger audience and get the message out there. So much appreciated. And today we are joined by Ruby Fraser. Ruby is the founder of Eat Like Ruby, and she's also the host of the Eat Like Ruby podcast. She's an expert in nutrition and physical training, and she's had over 15 years experience in the field. So this episode is full of knowledge and information around PT and nutrition, how you can adapt and build a lifestyle that's gonna work for you, and make sure you are getting the best and most out of your nutrition and your physical training going forward for the rest of your life. Something Ruby touches on within this episode is that we are going to be eating for the rest of our life. Sounds simple, but it's so true. So learning what to do and how to do it is crucial in terms of the long game because we are eating for the rest of our life. So tune into this episode and I hope you find it as epic as I found talking to her. Enjoy. Hello everyone and welcome back to the One Talk Podcast, you're here with your host Ryan and today we are joined by Ruby Fraser. Ruby is someone who is respected and well looked up to in the nutrition industry and someone I've known somewhat for a few years back in the Bribe Average Joel's days as well so it's cool to see her journey and where she's come to now. I'd like to introduce Ruby, how are you? Hello, I'm good, how are you? I'm good, thank you. How's your day been? It has been good. I actually um, sought for a new, um, I don't want to say too much about it because it's not coming out yet, but for a new thing in my business, which is really cool. So big photo shoot in my kitchen today, which was exciting. Oh, that is exciting. I've been um, watching a lot of your content over the years, but I love all the ones you've been making lately with the food because it makes things become more simple. Because I think when I think in the past, or some people may think now, when it comes to eating healthier or more nutrition, you think it can be very complex and overwhelming, but it's cool to see the way you break it down and show people how they can implement it into their life. Yeah, that's and that's exactly what I love, just literally simple nutrition. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. And I'd love to um I'd love to hear about yourself and how you got into the nutrition work and why this started for you and like where the mission and purpose came from. Yeah, for sure. Um, so I actually started out as a PT, like you said, back in the gym days. Um, and I've actually been a PT for 15 years this year, which is crazy. So I am, I know (laughs) I'll be, um, 32 later this year. And I literally studied to be a PT, like straight out of school, like I was 17. Um, and I honestly, like, I used to just wag school and go to the gym and then (laughs) my parents were like, maybe you should just go in this direction. Um, And it just made sense. Like I loved gym. I loved running. I loved training. So I just got straight into that. And I've literally been 
in the gym scene in some way, like over those 15 years. And then obviously like nutrition and training go hand in hand. So I just had like a real natural interest for that. And then once, like I obviously did my fitness studies early and then I was just like, yep, I want to do the nutrition studies too. So I've done those like over the last probably eight years I've been doing that. Mm. Um, And then obviously like my business is called Eat Like Ruby. So we kind of took it in that nutrition direction, but we do equal parts like nutrition and training. Mm. That's awesome because like 15 years is a long stretch. That's a lot of learning within that as well. That's extraordinary. That's why I say congrats. I was like, that's cool that for this long you've stayed <laughs> dedicated and you've grown like throughout that whole process as well. Like you haven't really seen like from an outside perspective, you haven't seen like you've been stuck. It feels like you've been on a constant path of growing and evolving. Now I want to ask like, how do you continue to learn and grow like over this long period of time? That is a really cool question. And it's really funny you say that because when I think back to, like you said, back in the days of Jolie's, I literally reached out to Jolie on Facebook when I was probably like 19 and was like, do you have any work? And he was like, I've got Saturdays and Sundays for $17 an hour. And I was like, yep, I'll take it. And that was like literally how I I got started pretty much. And then from there, I was like, I will take any shift you've got. I'll teach any class you want. And I just built and built and built and then built my own business on the side. (laughs) And now it's like I look back and I'm like, I was literally cleaning gym toilets on a Sunday for $17 an hour. And <laughs> I just kept doing my thing and building and building and building. And now we're here. Yeah, that's so cool to hear as well, like the journey within that. Like you start, you have to start somewhere. A lot of people think yeah. coming into any industry in the world is that you have to be amazing to start. But the thing is you have to start so you can become amazing and become and fill your potential. It's like you started somewhere and you just followed that and just talking you to where you are now. I know, yeah. And I think a lot of people these days, like with everything being online, I think people just see that and they're like, oh, I'll become an online coach and it'll just happen tomorrow. (laughs) And I think like it's interesting to hear like so many people do their time on the gym floor, like all the early mornings, all those hours and stuff. And it's such a, a process. It's not just like, Oh, I might become a coach today. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. Like even like <clears throat> talking like with my podcast as well. And we're talking before the show, like how much work goes into building the podcast. And for me to even get to this stage where I'm at now, which is really great. I'm actually kind of surprised at the growth it's had, but it took about two and a half years to get to this point. But it's all those repetitive hours that you put in building up to that. Then it can feel like it just happened overnight, but it's like those 10,000 hours that always come into play as well. <laughs> Yeah, 100%. And I think so many people quit too early. Like when you think about, you know, people working in gyms or like you said, you do a podcast and if you don't get that instant sort of return on investment, whether it is financially or just in any way, if you don't feel like it's working, I think people just pull the pin and it's like, you got to go through it. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. It could be like that with like physical and nutrition as well or whether it's um, losing weight, gaining weight, or maintaining. Like, if s- some people, and definitely me in the past when I first got in the gym, if I didn't see results straight away, like within four to six weeks, like I was giving up and just going back and self sabotaging. But I feel like that is a challenge that you may face in your work too. So, with things like that, how do you help people overcome like that six week period, like a six week point where they might feel stuck and they're not seeing results? 
Yeah, that's so true. And I think there's like a few ways you can look at it. One thing I love to say is like, because often when people are in that position, they might have had months or years of, you know, not so great habits. And one thing we always say is um, if you walk 10 miles into the woods, you've got to walk 10 miles to get out. So (laughs) I think a lot of people walk the 10 miles into the woods, they, you know, have all those shitty habits and then they want to get straight out. (laughs) Mm. So I love that quote. I think that just reflects that so well. But I think another thing that we speak about as well is sometimes like really specific to nutrition and training is getting someone a result as early as we can for that reason. Like Mm. I think often a lot of people do, you know, want to teach things and they want to, preach that whole slow and steady thing, which is absolutely awesome in a perfect world. We would all do it, but people do want results. And I'm always really mindful that there is a human being on the other side of that. Mm. So it's all well and good to sort of say, you know, slow and steady wins the race and science tells us we should slow down and all of these things. But you also are like, well, here's a person that might be feeling quite physically shitty, quite mentally Mm. shitty, emotionally, whatever it is. If we can do something within reason, obviously always looking after people's health, but if we can do something to change that for you, usually I find it's worth doing that. And then they can relax a little bit and enjoy the process a little bit more. And then we can slow things down or we can trial and error things. I think if someone comes into your world and they do want a result and you really drag that out and you do want to do a lot of trial and error and stuff, we can lose them. And then they're Mm. sort of stuck in that shitty feeling. So I'm always really mindful of like, how is this person feeling? How can we improve that for them as soon as we can while looking after their health and then take it in any direction we want to go from there? Does that make sense? That's really good. It's like meeting people where they're at because like you said, it's not just the one challenge they may face and maybe other things that come into play as well. It's like, cool, we can meet these people where they're at and make sure they're getting the best results, but while they're also still satisfied with the journey of it as well. Yeah, for sure. Mm, that's re- that's really interesting because it's such a cool perspective to look at it. And like in terms of like tracking if you're losing weight, for an example, do you find there's the best way to do that? Is it like checking how much you weigh in the scales? Is it measuring yourself? Is it looking in the mirror? Is there one particular way you find the best or is it just what – fits the person right yeah so usually we will say we want a combo of things like we don't want to just look at the scale or just Mm. look at measurements and especially like as females those things will fluctuate for anyone they'll fluctuate but for females they'll fluctuate a lot and if we're just looking at that one thing and we happen to catch it on you know a quote bad day (laughs) that can like lead to quite a shitty feeling for people so often we'll say like let's look at multiple things and let's like we always want to watch the trend over time so we don't want to just look like what did I weigh yesterday what do I weigh today oh my god it went up now I'm gonna spiral (laughs) we really want to look like how is that trending over time we will have those fluctuations but if we were to step back and look over a month of scale weight and measurements is there a clear trend happening in some direction that's what we really want to look for Mm, that's the best way to look at it by the sounds of it because you be able to look at the bigger picture and see things as an overall because you can like weigh yourself one week and the next week you're still the same weight but even though these changes have happened then progress has happened but it's just like you can't always rely on just the numbers 100% of the time like it's looking at the grand scheme of things 
Yeah, for sure. And one thing I always say to people as well is like, we want to think about what it is like, why do you want to lose weight? Why do you want to lose measurements? Like, why do you want to see those things going down? And usually, especially for women, and it's probably the same for men, but we see the answer is usually, you know, like, I want to feel better in the gym. I want to feel better in my clothes. I want to wear this certain outfit. And I always want to point out to people like numbers and the scale and all of those things are really cool, but they're almost like the middleman there. So we really just want to ask like, well, how are you feeling in your clothes? How are you feeling in the gym? Can you start wearing those outfits? Are you now wearing shorts that you weren't wearing six weeks ago? And often people will say, we see people say like, I feel great and my clothes fit great and everything's great, but the damn scale won't change. And it's like, we want the scale to change so we're feeling great. And you're already telling me that you're feeling great. (laughs) And we really want to dig that a little bit deeper and just be like, what actually is it that we want to be seeing or feeling or experiencing and asking like, is that actually happening regardless of the statistics? Mm. A more important thing you said there as well as the understanding the why behind it because i feel like you, sometimes you can lose focus on that when you so when you're pointing direction so focused in the moment you start to look away from why you even started in the first place and if you look back and reflect on that you can show yourself more gratitude on the journey to where you want to get to yeah for sure mm. and for like the people because i know you'd have clients that maybe potentially just start in the gym as well what advice do you have for them when they first get into the gym, like the nerves that may come up or they may feel fear of judgment? Like, did you feel that when you first started as well? I feel like I can't even remember. Like, it's honestly been so long. I've been such a gym person and my parents were very much gym people as well. So I just kind of, it was like a normal thing for me to go to gym. But I think there's like a few things too that I've been thinking about this a bit lately. And I think it's really funny because people will say, like, I, th- I think everybody in the gym is going to judge me. And it, I almost think, like, you in turn are judging those people, like assuming that they are judgmental. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> when we think about it. Yeah. And the reason I kind of think that is because, like, I've literally been in gyms for probably 16 years and I am never looking around thinking, oh, my God, that person's clearly here for the first time. Like, oh, my God, they're clearly a rookie. (laughs) I honestly look around the gym so much, especially at chicks, like because I think it's just so cool how gym has progressed with females, like just Mm. lifting weights and just getting after it. And I'm just honestly always looking around thinking like, look at that weight or look at that outfit or look at that lift, like, I think gyms can be such a positive place and absolutely like if people do feel nervous or anxious or anything like it's so common so they're so not alone but I think the other cool thing there is like there's not a lot of places in the world where the collective energy like every person in the gym is without actually saying it kind of saying like I invest time money and energy into bettering myself and mm. it's, so it's like you're in a room full of people all with that same collective energy and yeah. drive. Like, I think that's so cool. <laughs> yeah, that is so cool. And it's like when people say you want to find a new environment of people, it's like, well, go to a gym because you're going to meet like-minded people that are on that journey of growth. Yeah, 100%. And I um, had a girl on my podcast the other week and she was saying the same thing. Like, if you're in that position where, you know, all of your friends are maybe going out on Saturday night getting drunk and that's not really your thing anymore. 
go to the gym at six o'clock on the Sunday morning instead and you will find your people. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. So I remember when I first started going to the gym, like my first gym I went to was Joel's, um, Average Joel's, shout out to Joel's. But um, it, I used to go back in like grade 10 or grade 9. I used to go with like just a bunch of the boys from school and we'll go together. But I remember I was starting to think like, should I start going by myself? And I was very fearful to go by myself because at the time, like I was still only like 14, 15, so I was very like skinny at the time and I just didn't feel healthy at all. And I was very nervous of going to the gym. And then I went to the gym the first time I went there by myself. Like Joel just introduced himself to me, had a good chat, and he kind of like took me under his wing for like years after that. Like, oh, he's very helpful and showed me around. And if I needed help, he'll spot me. And I feel like once you get into that environment, you just start surround yourself with people like that that are very friendly and want to help. And they see you see you may um like be lost in a sense and they want to help and give you a hand as well. So that's why I think it's a beautiful environment too, because it's very supportive. Yeah, I think so. And I think the cool thing is like you, like me, you know, I was always like in my like a 20-something year old girl in the gym. And you would see like the same like 60-year-old guy there every day. And then you just start talking to him. And then you'd see yeah. like, you know, an 18-year-old girl there every day and you start talking to her and you're like, we're all such a random mix of people, but like we all come at the same time every day. We're just starting to chat. It's like you've got this like <laughs> odd group of friends, but again, everyone's sort of got that same mindset and that same energy. So it's actually really cool. Like it's quite a step outside of your usual zone or like your usual circle. Yeah, exactly. And it's really cool because it's like somewhat of like a um, second family. Like I remember when I first started going to like group yeah. classes and when I started going to group classes, I started to think like, by the time I got to a group class, like I was already a couple of years training, but I've never done like a group environment. And I had that thought again, like, oh, maybe people are going to watch me struggle. Maybe I'm not fit enough to do the cardio. And I remember five minutes into it, I looked up and everyone's just in their own suffering that much that no one's even looking at each other. <laughs> now I'm like, why was I even in my head in the first place? <laughs> it's so true. Yeah, that's cool. Like how when you first started going to the gym, how long was it until you realized you wanted to make a career out of it? Um, I honestly loved it from so early on. Like my mum used to go to Fernwood, which is like the women's gym. Mm -hmm. And I remember just going in there and being like, I want to work at Fernwood. Like, I don't even know what it was. I was probably like 13 or 14. And then literally like when I was 19, I got a job at Fernwood. <laughs> <laughs> I just loved it. Yeah. That's cool. Like, it just seems like it's one of those things. As soon as you got into it, it's just like, this is my thing. That was like me when I first started working in mental health or I first started studying it. It was like, it was the first ever thing I found in my life that I wanted to know more about without even needing to study for it. And I just found this very, yeah. like I found this energy within it that just kept dragging me towards it. Yeah. Yeah. That's so cool. Yeah, and do you think like finding something like that is what's kept you disciplined over these 15 years or what has helped you stay disciplined over the 15 years with training and exercising and nutrition and also business as well? Yeah, that's really cool. And that's something I've been thinking about so often lately mm -hmm. because I feel like, remember for years it was sort of like, you know, everybody was like, how do I get motivated? And then the whole thing kind of became like, discipline over motivation like that mm. was the saying for a while <laughs> and I feel like you almost transcend that as well and just reach a point where you're just like what makes sense for me to do today like mm. what are my values what are my goals like what are the things that I just genuinely want with my health or with my business or with my life like whatever it is and I 
honestly think um, I actually <laughs> spoke about this on my podcast the other day because we did the Q&A and someone said like how to stay motivated. And I said, I think you just, again, you sort of transcend to that point where it's just like you just have to find that thing where you're like as if I would get up today and not work towards this. Like, yeah. <laughs> you do know what I mean? And it's not like a – it's not even a motivation thing. Like it's not an intense thing. You're just like, it actually just makes sense for me to mm. record my podcast and then go and train and do my workout and do all these things because you just know what it is that you want. You know the direction that you want your life to go. And it honestly is just that question of like, what makes sense for me to do today? Mm. Like you said, it's just connecting with your values again in those times of doubt or times of unsure uncertainty as well. Because I know with myself, when I go to the gym, Sometimes I'm like, the last thing I want to do is go. I remember like, do I feel healthy enough to go? Yes. But I feel awesome when I go? Yes. So I'm going to go. And then I've gone in the first five yeah. minutes. The main thing is it's just walking into the gym. Once I get in, I'm fine. It's just getting through those doors. That's the main thing. Yeah, I think 100%. Like once you're in there and doing your thing, you're like, I love this. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And what... Like with exercise, what do you find best for recovery for yourself? Um, this is so funny. Like I've been talking about all these things lately <laughs> on my podcast. That's really funny. Um, I personally, um, I was trying to think who I was talking about this with, but I am like I'm a big fan of sort of like warming up and making sure, you know, you're sort of like good to go for your workout. So I'm like quite into that. My partner, he played a lot of um, football, like a lot of high contact sports. So we've always done a lot of like, um, you know, like hot and cold baths and saunas and all of those things. I don't mind them. Like I I like the um, hot and cold. I think they're quite cool. He swears by them like religiously, like the compression and then the sauna and the hot and cold and the whole process. And I think like that's what I spoke about on my podcast. I think you've got to really find what you truly find benefit from. Like if you... You know, if we tell someone to go to a sauna every day, but they're sitting in the sauna thinking, I actually get nothing out of this, mm. <laughs> yeah. then, you know, they're not going to have that drive to go. Whereas if somebody goes to the sauna and they're like, oh, my God, I feel significantly better when I go here, mm. then that driving factor is going to be there. So I always think, like, you've sort of got to experiment and find what that is for you. And I think the other important thing with recovery is a lot of people – are like on the hunt for that recovery thing that's like, oh, do I need hot and cold baths? Do I need saunas? Do I need all these things? But they're not looking at everyday things like sleep and nutrition and relaxation <laughs> and all of these things. I think often people are like, oh, yes, like I need hot and cold baths. And it's like, no, you need to go to sleep. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's the thing. It's like, it's like a cocktail. It's a mixture of things that's going to make it become well. Yeah, for sure. And I think often people overlook those basics or they don't want to give time to those basics. So, like, it can't be as simple as going to bed a little bit earlier. It's like it's got to be some trendy new recovery thing. And it's yeah. like, no, just try and go to bed earlier first. <laughs> no, it's, it's ice baths, right? <laughs> but, but no, but like you said, it's like it's a mixture of, like, your day-to-day tasks and the things that you do, like sleep, get enough hours, and finding a sleep routine that works best for you. Like if you feel awesome at seven hours, great. You feel awesome at eight, great. But figure out what works best for you. Follow your own nutritious meal plan and also get in your daily movement as well and just mix all these things together. 
And you don't have to go to the extremes most of the time. Like for me with saunas, I do it probably twice or three times a week max, and that's perfect for me. Yeah. But if I do it anymore, I feel like I'm pushed it. And then, like you said, I'm not getting the benefit from it because it feels like it's taken more from me than it is giving. Yeah. And I think it's just honestly a matter of like asking, how do I feel? Like, do Mm. I feel good? Or like if you don't, having a look at those things, like why do I not feel good? I think people experience that like poor recovery or low energy or whatever it might be and then they're on the hunt for all those external things and it's like really bring it back and be like actually why don't i feel great right now like what could i be doing differently (laughs) yeah exactly like the thing that works best for me for recovery is breath work like even after a hectic gym session or car especially after cardio just to help slow down the heart rate and get my breathing back to normal and i find that one of the most beneficial things for me but obviously that's not going to be something that is going to be beneficial to everyone. But like you said, it's finding something that works for you. Yeah, I think that's so cool. And like my partner's really into breath work. And like when I mm. have a stressful day in business or whatever, he's always like, sit down. <laughs> <laughs> We're doing this. He's like, in for three, hold for three. I'm like, oh, here we go. <laughs> yeah. Like in talking about breath work as well and recovery, what's some things you do to help you cope with stress? Yes, that's such a good question. It's <laughs> stressful to have a business. <laughs> yeah. um, I think like overall, it, it's definitely something I've had to work on over the years. Like I very much had the like hustle and grind mentality in my business for a while. And I think at times, sometimes you have to, to an extent, like probably not to an unhealthy extent, but there are just times where you do just have to work a bit more or grind a bit more or whatever. Um, but I definitely reached a point with my business where I was like, okay, this isn't just a side hustle anymore. This isn't just a little thing. Like if this is going to be my life, mm. I can't work 24-7 or I can't yeah. you know, put work first all the time or whatever. So I really just have had phases where, and I think it's something that you've got to revisit where you literally mm. just look at your schedule and look at your life and I'll just look and be like, what is important to me, like I realized probably a few months ago, I would literally wake up super early in the morning and just start work straight away. And I was sort of running this story of like, oh, I do my best work in the mornings. And then when I really pulled it apart, I was like, no, like I was grinding for years, but I didn't really have a choice. I had to get up and work first thing in the morning. And then I was like, you don't have to do that anymore, Ruby. Like you're actually not at that point anymore. And I think it's really just important, like the point I'm trying to make is like just always sort of revisiting and assessing your life and be like, are these habits working for me or are they not? Is this sort of something that I tell myself like, oh, I just, this is just what I do or this is what I have to do. And like sort of visiting that and seeing like, well, actually, could it be different? And like for me personally, I love early mornings, like sunrises, walking, all Mm. of that and I was like, I'm actually going to mix this up. I'm going to go for a walk every morning. I literally live on the sunny coast, like nicest place in the world. Honestly. And I'm like, yeah. And I'm like indoors at 5 a.m., like typing away on the laptop. <laughs> and I'm like, no, I'm mixing this up. Like get out there, do a walk, come home, start work two hours later. Mm. And it was such a shift for me. And I think like coming back to, you know, what we do for stress, I think you've got to just always be looking at your habits and your routines and everything and just assessing if they're working. Mm, it sounds like you're very aware of how you feel and what you're doing and what's happening. Is this something that 
you've always been like you've always been aware of yourself and how you feel or is it something you had to develop over time um i think i've definitely developed it i think Mm. i've always been like driven and like aware to an extent but um i think i've definitely developed it more and more over the years i probably about seven years ago i lost my dad like my dad passed away and I remember just being obviously, you know, rightly so, like quite emotional. Mm. But as time went on, I just remember being quite like reactive and sort of uncontrolled emotions. And I just sort of remember reaching a point where I was thinking like, I actually don't want to feel like this. Like I don't want to feel out of control. I don't want to feel like I can't control my emotions. And I think that's where that awareness and everything really started for me, just like looking at things deeper rather than just, like I said, having those reactive responses and then sort of going from there. I really tapped into that and was like, Mm. I want to change this up a bit. (laughs) Yeah, that's a cool understanding to have within yourself because the subconscious mind runs 95% of our life. So only about 5 to 10% max of our life is actually conscious. So the things that we do and analyze in those moments are important because it's driving the other 95% of our life. So to have that awareness and start implementing new habits, new things on a daily basis, which then creates this bigger effect in your life, right? Like a few years later, now you've got this so open-minded perspective on your life that you can analyze things and understand where you're at and what's serving you. Yeah, for sure. One thing I love, and I it's definitely something I've had to teach myself throughout that process is really like talking myself through things. Like I used to be very much a person that was like something went wrong. Oh my God, everything's wrong. Everything's crazy. And just like very, would spiral very quickly. And I've really tapped into that and I really like wanted to get to a place and have gotten to a place where like, don't get me wrong, I can still have a moment, but (laughs) really bringing it back and just being like, what is the actual problem here? What can be done about this? what is the spiral like what is actually not true what have we spiraled with like really just like i said honestly talking myself through those moments and and when you have a business or anyone in life but when you have a business like you do have those moments and often you don't have a manager or anyone to go to so you've almost got to be able to sit there and be like okay cool how do we actually navigate this like having a meltdown or cracking it or kicking off isn't going to solve this problem (laughs) Is this like an actual conversation with yourself or do you journal it, write it down? Like, how does that look? Because like you said, when you have your own business, and I understand this, like you don't have a manager to go to, you don't have a supervisor, you have no team to debrief with. So how does that look like for yourself? Um, It's very much probably like internal thoughts. Like I Mm. don't probably speak out loud, but honestly, like if I – you know, if, if I opened my inbox and there was an email there that was just something that wasn't planned or it wasn't ideal or whatever, I'll literally just be like, give it a second. Like, what is the actual thing here? Can I actually fix this? Do I need to seek help fixing this? Can I do this today? Do I do this tomorrow? Like, really just actually pulling it apart. Like, what is the problem here? As opposed to, you know, mm. I think sometimes if you see something, like you said, you get into that spiral and then you're like, well, what if this happened? And then this could happen. And then this could happen. <laughs> and I think just being able to be like, no, well, what's actually happening? And how do we actually act on this? 
Mm, that's such a cool perspective just for everyone, but also business owners as well, just to be able to analyze things before you become reactive so you can be more responsive to these situations because you're going to get long-term benefits from being more responsive than reactive because you're not getting yourself in a fight, flight, or freeze mode or burn yourself out. And it's really cool to be able to do that because one thing I do is like I like to meditate. So every yeah. single day I listen to like binaural beats or frequency sounds. I just sit there with my eyes closed. I'm a, like I'll usually lay down just for like half an hour to an hour and just watch my thoughts like a movie, just watch everything pass like I'm sitting back watching like a movie on a projector. And for me, that helps me detach from my thoughts so my emotions aren't connected to them to be able to actually analyze things and see a bigger picture. And it's so cool to hear your way of it too because it's interesting to have different perspectives on how people analyze situations, especially with business. Yeah, for sure. And I feel like I have phases with journaling. Like I'll have phases Mm -hmm. where... I just literally cannot stop writing and it's almost like a brain dump in the journal and then I'll have weeks where I don't do it again. But I think that can be so beneficial. I think especially Mm. if there is like overwhelm and if you, you know, you do want to meditate or you do want to take a calm approach and you're actually like, I cannot switch this off. (laughs) I think almost like I said, that kind of brain dump thing and like Mm. just actually get it all out, get it all down can be so beneficial, I think. 100%. 100%. Just being able to get it out of your head because once it's out of your head, you're like, oh, relief. It's like that sigh feeling you get after. Yeah, yeah, yeah for sure. And I think it's pretty cool that you said you meditate for like half an hour to an hour. That's amazing. Yeah, literally every single night. The reason I do it at night time is because just before we go to bed, we're in the theta brainwave state. So we have five brainwave states. Yeah. Theta uh, is just the one above sleep. And it's when we're more creative. It's when we're more in the flow state. So our thoughts are just racing and we're more flowy in other things. And you can actually retain information up to 300% more in the theta brainwave state. So the reason why I like to meditate just before bed is because I'm analyzing these things, but my brain can retain up to 300% more. So it's going to be more susceptible and getting programmed into my subconscious when it's driving me through life. So if I do that before bed, when I wake up the next day, I'm always clear-minded because I've, I'm always analyzing things in like good times in my day. So everyone listening, a fate of brainwave state meditation is awesome, but like meditation is just beneficial to do it any time during the day as well. Yeah, that's so cool. Yeah, well, meditation, like before I ever started meditation, I was that type of person where I was like, I can't meditate. That's I was I always used to get angry just trying to meditate. But then I realized that meditation isn't trying to stop thoughts. It's more to observe them. And from then on, they changed my whole life. Do you meditate or have you tried it before? Um, I feel like, again, phases. My partner loves it. Like he's mm. very just chilled. He's very like positive and seems like a very easygoing but then it's like like he is easygoing <laughs> but then when uh, you sort of look deeper into it like he's he loves to meditate and breath work mm. and all that stuff so yeah mm. yeah that's epic i want to get into some of our questions as well because we've got quite a few from the okay. one tour community <laughs> and this one's from joel i thought i'd ask this one first um he said is this from jolly yeah this is from jolly so he asked you <laughs> Have you have you defected to the dolphins from the Broncos? <laughs> I love that. And no, we have not. Broncos strong. <laughs> <laughs> so 
Someone else asked, do you prefer listening to music or podcast while training? Um, music while training normally. Mm, what type of music do you usually get you going in the gym? Um, usually quite like gangstery, like big used to be a big Kanye fan, like old yeah. old Eminem. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I'm with you down. So, like yeah, hard, a bit of a hard bass stuff. <laughs> Yeah, I'm like the sort of wannabe gangster girl. <laughs> <laughs> With your training, do you plan out like, I know you must plan out like your meal plans and what your food looks like for the week, but you do that exactly with your physical training as well or is it more intuition training on the day you get to the gym? Um, I do like plan out my training, so I plan that out like really specifically and then I'll be – a little bit like intuition-y in terms of what I'll train. So, like, if I get to gym and I'm like, yep, I feel like I can go heavy leg session, let's go. Mm -hmm. Or if I'm like, oh, like, don't have that in me today, let's scale it back, like low-intensity cardio or something. So, I'll sort of have, like, my four or five workouts that I want to do for the week and they'll be very planned and structured. But then I'll just sort of be like, what do I feel like doing today? Like, what one do I feel like doing today? Mm. Do you feel like you get more progress by doing that as well because you're listening to your body and how it feels in the moment rather than trying to push a heavy leg day when your body's telling you more so you feel like, you know, doing deadlifts and doing cardio, for an example? Yeah, for sure. I think so. Like I think you just like I'll have those days where I'm like, yeah, heavy legs, let's go. Like I yeah. train all day. <laughs> and then some days when you're just not feeling that, I think – it's yeah it's cool to listen to that and I think it's cool to be at a point like almost coming back to like we said before about the discipline mm -hmm. some people do want to be very structured and rigid with their days especially early on and that's great like if that works for somebody I think that's great but I think when you get to a point where for me like if I woke up tomorrow and was just like I actually just don't feel like training today I would absolutely respect that because I know I would train on Friday or Saturday, whatever. So it's not like a thing of like, oh, but if I don't go, I'm letting myself down and I'm falling off and whatever. It's really as simple as like, it actually wouldn't serve me to train today. I know like I back myself 100%. I know that I will train Saturday, Sunday, whatever it is. So I think being at that point is really cool as well. Because mm, like missing one day because your body's telling you not to train, it's like it's ruining your long-term results because you're still on a long-term scale. If you look at it, you're still going upwards on that path. Yeah, for sure. Mm. I had this, co uh, this question come from another coach in this space as well. And they asked, how do you handle non-compliant clients? <laughs> <laughs> oh, God, we could be here all day. <laughs> Um, I think I, that is such a great question. I'll always bring it back to like the things that they've told me they want. So one thing, like if any Eat Like Ruby girls are listening to this, they'll know like my number one saying is there's no right or wrong. Like we mm. don't, it's not right to track our food. It's not right to go to the gym. It's not right to get a certain amount of steps. It's not wrong either, but there is optimal or not optimal for your goal. And so I'll always just say to people, like, this is your goal. This is what you've said it is. This is the most optimal thing, like, from an educated point of view. I'll be willing to do that. And that's a really important conversation we have with people as well is, like, this is your goal. This is what is required to achieve that goal. 
Are we willing to do that? Yes, awesome, cool, let's do it. Are we not? If we're not, that's totally fine. Do we adjust the goal a little bit? And I think people need to be a little bit more open-minded to that. Mm. Like often people can be like, you know, just as an example, like I want to lose 10 kilos in two months or whatever. And if we say to people like, okay, that would take X, Y, Z to achieve that. Oh, shit, maybe I actually don't want to do that. Okay, cool. Should we aim for five kilos in two months then? Mm. This is what would, you know, would be required to achieve that. And someone might be like, yeah, that actually works a lot better for me and my lifestyle. Okay, cool. Perfect. (laughs) So I think it's about really setting up those realistic things. Like if someone's just not compliant, we want to look at why. Like is it not Mm. realistic for you and your lifestyle? Have you not really worked out the goal? Like we said before, when you're really clear on your goal, it's just like what makes sense for me to do today? Like wake up and try and stop me. I'm doing this thing. (laughs) So I think if someone's just continuously not compliant, we need to dig a little deeper. Like, what is happening there? Is the plan really unrealistic? Are we not clear on the goal? Like, there's usually something more happening. Mm. That was a really gold answer. Yeah, that's a gut that. I'm going to be helpful for a lot of coaches listening to that because it's like <laughs> it's just been able to scale it back and look at it and being able to work with them instead of just, you know, throwing plans at them and being like, doing this. You're actually having that conversation with them and being like, hey, but maybe we could do this, which is still going to work towards your goals, but we can do it this way and then be able to work with them. That's a great answer. Yeah, for sure. And I think for some people as well, like when you have that combo, you know, some people have really got it in their head that like I have to go to gym or, you know, I have to do something in particular if I want to be good. That looks like doing X, Y, Z. And often I literally had a combo with a girl the other day and she was just like, I hate gym. Like, I hate gym, I hate gym. And she just kept saying it. And then the more we talked about it, she's like, you know, I used to play sport and I used to swim and all this stuff. And I'm like, go swimming three times a week. Never set foot in a gym again if you don't want to. Like, there's no, you know, and people sort of get in their mindset of like, oh, well, I'm being good, so I should go to gym. And it's like, we again, we want to dig that little bit deeper and sort of work out like what can we set up for you to be in good health mm. and working towards your goals, whatever that looks like. Because mm, like the misconception could be like people think you have to go to the gym to be fit and healthy. And it's like, no, find something that's active that you enjoy and go for that. Yeah, for sure. Um, what are some this? Sorry, let me rephrase that. What are some common misconceptions misconceptions about nutrition and diet that you frequently encounter? Um, misconceptions. That's a good one. I think probably, I don't know if you'd call it a misconception, but I think it's just a real, a lack of like real education and understanding. So almost like we just said for the gym thing, a lot of people just mm. – are in the, you know, in the mindset or the habit of like, I eat well or I'm being good and they don't really know what that means for their goal. Like even coming back to, like I said before, there's no right or wrong because what's good for a person who's running a marathon tomorrow is going to not be so good for a person who's sitting on the couch tomorrow. (laughs) But again, people just fall into that mindset of like, oh, I'm being good. And that's where I think that lack of education it's like you don't actually know what is good for your goal. And I never want to shame that in people because if people are, you know, trying to eat more healthy, trying to eat more nutritious foods, whatever it might be, that's awesome. Like we don't want to bash that. But I think a lot of people can spin their wheels and it's actually quite shitty because they're like, you know, I am being 
you know, air quotes, good and doing all the right things, but they're not getting the result they want. And I think that really comes back to like just not understanding what is really good for them and their goal. Hmm. So how do you think people could... How do you think people could help understand what is beneficial to them? Do you think it's reaching out to a coach and getting the personal trainer and speaking to someone online or at the gym to help with that conversation? I think so, yeah. And I think I think it's just worth, like, one thing I always say to people is, like, we're going to be eating for the rest of our lives. Like, we are. That's true. <laughs> it is absolutely worth knowing how to do so and feeling good about doing so. And if somebody is in a negative place with their food like i said you are going to be eating for the rest of your life if you don't do something about that it's going to be a very long life (laughs) so i think when it comes to i think everybody should have just enough nutrition education to feel like they're in control i think if somebody feels like a victim to you know their weight or their health or their body composition or their fitness anything like that. Like if somebody feels unhappy with those things and they feel Mm. like they don't know how to change that, I think it is like it is absolutely worth investing in just getting yourself to a point where you feel like you're in control. And that doesn't have to mean like having a trainer forever or getting a six-pack being shredded or whatever. But I think it is honestly life-changing for a person to go from feeling like a victim to feeling like they can take that in any direction they want. Mm. I also heard that Eat Like Ruby podcast is a good place to start as well for information. (laughs) It's a great place to start. It actually is like we do do so many. My first few episodes, I really wanted to just be like the education, the basics, so that when I do kind of go off on my rants, people know what I'm talking about. So, my first few episodes, I really just wanted to give those basics. And then we kind of talk about different topics every week. But yeah, I think just getting that base knowledge can be a game changer. Mm. And talking about your podcast as well for people listening, because it would be a great way to lead people into listen to more information around nutrition, physical health and whatnot. Like what's the intention behind it and the mission behind Eat Like Ruby podcast? I honestly don't really know with the podcast. So I genuinely thought for years that people just had a podcast as like this random thing on the side to talk like and talk about anything they wanted to. And then I met um, my friend Sophie who owns the podcast studio and she just sold me on podcast. She's like, if you have a business, it's a no brainer. And she just is so genuinely passionate about podcasting. Um, And then when I, got in there and started recording, I realized it was so much harder than I thought. I was like, this is not just people chatting. Like, (laughs) this is really actually quite hard. And a lot of work goes into them, a lot more work than people think. Mm. Um, But equally, like, I went through that. I would say probably like my first four or five episodes, I was just like, oh, I don't really know what I'm doing. I feel quite uncomfortable. I feel quite awkward. And very quickly, people started being like, I love the podcast. I had people messaging me like, um, you know, I've had a trainer for three years and I've learned more from your four podcasts than I've learned from my trainer. Not not to bash their trainer or whatever, but I very quickly started to see people just benefiting from it. And I was like, this Mm. is awesome. And I think too, like for a long time, I pretty much just had Instagram for my business. And it's like, 
there's only really so much you can do with an Instagram caption. Like you can't do too much. And I think really just like getting on the mic and fully explaining something Mm. in a way you know, like we said, for people to read it is one thing, but I think to have me just there, like bang, 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 just dropping the facts, yeah. I think has been really beneficial. It's a great way to connect with people as well because they get a more of an understanding of you, what you're talking about, and just being able to build that connection to you and your mission as well. And that's why I love podcasts because I'm able to connect with the audience that listens to it, but also I'm able to, you know, give out the free resources as well that comes with the podcast. And it's an awesome thing to have. Yeah, for sure. And a lot of growth does come from it. Like if you skip back to like my first two episodes, they sound horrible, like in terms of just audio <laughs> quality. And for some reason, I thought it was a good idea to get one microphone, put it in the middle of a table in a library in Brisbane and just start recording. You can have like a hundred people speaking in the background. It's But I'm keeping it up because of growth. <laughs> Yeah, and that is so cool. Like it almost comes back to like we said before, you know, I was cleaning the gym toilets 10 years yeah. ago. So <laughs> it's like everybody starts somewhere and now you get to this point where like, look at you, your podcast is killing it. Yeah, thank you. Likewise. Um, someone else asked as well, are, are there any specific diets or eating patterns that you would recommend for weight loss? Um, again, I, I really think it just comes back to that education piece and knowing like to achieve weight loss, you need to be in an energy deficit. Like you've got to have less energy coming in than going out. Um, but I think again, a lot of people don't truly understand what that means and then what it means for them, like what that would look like for you and what that would look like for me are two very different things. And that's where I feel like simply just understanding that principle like of energy balance and how that sort of applies to you. I think that's where a lot of people can spin their wheels and feel quite crappy because, you know, if we're eating healthy and we're doing all those right things, like I said, but Mm. we don't feel like we're getting the result, people can be very lost and thinking like, well, you know, I'm doing everything right and it's not working. And I think just simply understanding that base principle because it is – (laughs) <laughs> the facts like we can't we cannot get weight loss without it so a lot of um you know people can spin their wheels for a very long time just simply not knowing that fact mm, i really like when you said before as well like it's such a simple saying but something you don't realize until you hear it is when you said we're eating for the rest of our life like yeah it's true but like you don't think of that like it's just not coming <laughs> forward so think about that it's like cool it's such an important thing to be able to educate yourself on nutrition Yeah, for sure. And I always, I speak about that so much to my girls because I think a lot of people, especially when they're in quite a negative place with food, can very much get into that mindset of, you know, like, just got to, you know, I'll start again on Monday and then like, oh, I've got a birthday to go to. So now I'm, you know, quotes off track and then the weekend's off track and I'll start again on Monday. And it's that sort of never ending cycle of being off track or starting again or whatever. And that's where I always bring up that thing of like, We need to learn how to enjoy birthdays, enjoy holidays, enjoy Christmas, Mm. all of these things. If you feel like you either fall off track or you dread those things and you avoid them, like I see people that are, you know, like almost like I can't wait to get home from my holidays so I can get back on my diet. And it's like we're going to be eating forever if we want to enjoy holidays and birthdays and meals out and all of those things. We want to know how to do so. Mm. 100% 100% true because 
it's like, like you said, if you want to travel and things, it's not like you're going to travel once and never travel again and you're going to be at home sticking to a meal plan. It's like, no, you want to learn about it all together. So when you do go out in the future, like say in about six months' time, you're going to Europe, you know, and you're educated enough to be like, cool, I can make decisions while I'm over here. So I'm still enjoying myself, but I'm also making good choices for my health. A hundred percent, because I think it's it's the worst thing. Like you said, if someone's going to Europe, it's like, should be the trip of a lifetime. And mm. so often I see people that are like low-key dreading it or fearing it and then they're almost resenting it when they're there. It's like, yeah, I, you know, I'm obviously having a good time because I'm in Europe. But like I said, it's almost that like can't wait to get home and get back on my diet. And it's like you don't want to wish away like a European holiday. <laughs> like, yeah. And it sounds funny when we talk about it, but that is actually the reality for so many people. Like you want to get out of that cycle. And it almost comes back to like what I said before about just that difference between being in control versus being a victim. I'm never going to tell someone to go to Europe and, you know, stick to a strict meal plan. (laughs) But usually the difference is like they can go off and they can enjoy their holiday because they know when they come home, they Mm. know what to do to just get back into their routine. It's not that really like frantic, like victim mentality of like, it, when I get home, I've got to try and be good again. It's just like, oh, yeah, I know what to do. Like, yeah. it's, it's just a lot calmer. Yeah, definitely. And it just it brings a lot more peace as well and less stress into your life. Yeah. And yeah, for sure. Do you have many mums as well that you work with? Because I know a challenge that I've heard from mums in terms of dieting or meal planning that you can struggle to incorporate that with cooking for the family or having meals with the kids and the family. Like, do you have any advice around that? Have you had any situations like that in particular where someone can still eat nutritious but involve that with the whole family? Yeah, for sure. Like we have so many mums that um, do eat like Ruby and literally we had a lady um, in a program last year and she did a post in the Facebook group and she was like, for the first time I'm like eating the same dinner as my family and for years she'd literally been like cooking herself a different dinner to her family and again that's like you know if we're going to be eating forever do you want to cook two meals every night for the rest of your life and equally like do you want your kids and your husband to be over there doing one thing and you're over here doing something else like Mm. there's so much more to it so yeah like that's where like we said at the very beginning we have such a simple approach to nutrition where I never want somebody, you know, over here cooking their salad and cooking something completely different for their family. Like it mm. just creates so much stress in so many ways. So absolutely like we will incorporate just meals and easy things like that that are going to work for everybody. Mm. That's awesome because that is just takes another stress or burden off wanting to begin the journey of, you know, better health or better nutrition. Yeah, for sure. What are some of the most important lessons you've learned about being a nutritionist or a PT or just being in this industry? Ooh, um, lessons that I've learned. That is really interesting. I feel like I feel like there's almost so many things that I don't know what to say. I think it's um it's quite a fine line. Like we said, I said a few times like you you want to like acknowledge the human being on the other end and everybody's different like we said sort of finding that person's goal finding the right process for them and then really juggling a fine line of 
like nurturing them through that. But equally, I'm always mindful that like you've come to me, you've made an investment and you want to see something. So like you want to see a result or you want to get a, you know, get some progress. And so I think it's really important to find that sweet spot where, like I said, you're nurturing people and you're helping people, but equally you're pulling them forward and you're maybe calling them out on things at times. Or you're, you know, it's, it's not like, too harsh where we're just constantly calling people out but we're not just over here softening things I think people can go as a coach they can go in either direction where Mm. you treat everyone like a robot and it's just like stick to your meal plan (laughs) or you're over here and you don't want to be too harsh or whatever it might be and you're like oh it's fine it's fine but then all of a sudden you know, someone's maybe been with you for three months and they don't actually have a lot to show for that because we've softened everything. Does that make sense? Yeah, 100%. So how do you find the balance between the fine line of those two things? Yeah, so I think, again, it's about talking to that person about what is realistic for them. I think you have to have good people skills that you've got to be able to just, I think you can discern over time with people like, yeah, this person is quite a straight shooter and they like the facts or this person over here might need things a little bit toned down a little bit more (laughs) and being able to kind of like read the person a little bit. But then I think too, just finding that sweet spot where I'll always acknowledge things people are doing right. So even if somebody Mm. comes to me and there's definitely things to improve on, we also want to point out like, you know, maybe you were having McDonald's five times a week (laughs) two months ago. And now you're not, you're cooking dinner every night, like massive win. Mm. So I think you really have to find that sweet spot where it's like, this is everything you're doing well. And this is a little thing I'm going to pull you up on this week. Mm, like it's not being a hundred percent commando, not a hundred percent like everything's all good. It's like tell them the good things yeah. you're doing, but then also educate them and push them to, you know, stay on track with what they need to be doing as well. Yeah, for sure. And I think just even reading the weeks and the goals as well, like if somebody, you know, reaches out and they're like, my kids were sick and then this happened and, you know, people can reach out with anything. I got fired. I'm I'm breaking up with my partner, like anything at all. Obviously, you don't want to turn around that week and be like, well, stick to your meal plan. (laughs) So I think it's about really, like I said, having those people skills and just like really thinking like, what does this person need right now? Mm. 100%. 100%. The one good thing you said there too is like reviewing your goals as well because that can just help the person be like, oh, yeah, true, and just be more willing yeah. to listen to what you have to say without feeling like they're being attacked in a sense because some people can get in their mindset. It's just like you said, it comes down to people skills and actually engaging with people and getting to know people as well. Yeah, for sure. What do you think are some key considerations for developing a nutrition plan? Like if for someone developing their own plan? Yeah, I think it's more of like a personalised one for themselves. Yeah. Um, what did they say? Key considerations. <laughs> yeah, for developing a nutrition plan. So I think what I'm getting from yeah. this, maybe they've got a goal in mind, but they don't know what things they should consider, like whether they should have um, like grass-fed protein or anything like that. Is there any certain things to consider? Yeah, for sure. So I always, like we said before, you definitely want to, if you've got a goal, like a body composition goal, like whether it's weight loss, muscle gain, whatever, you want to understand like the energy requirements of that, like Mm. how much do you need to eat to achieve that goal? And then 
usually the main things I look at with my girls is overall intake. So like overall energy intake, eating enough protein and eating enough fiber and fiber being from like fruit, veggies, whole grains. So if we can get, those are usually the three things like if somebody comes to me and they're not achieving their results or they're in poor health or whatever it is, usually it's any or all of like their lack of understanding of their energy balance, not Mm -hmm. eating enough protein, not eating enough dietary fiber. And if we can learn how to just design days of eating that you enjoy that tick those boxes, that is a game changer. (laughs) Mm. And these these last two, these are- I feel like I made that really simple, but people are probably like, that's quite hard. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I think it's good to be able to simplify it in terms like that because sometimes it is easier for us to digest as well. And the cool thing about this episode so far, there's been so many cool gold nuggets within this. A lot of things kind of entwine with each other. And I feel like there's a lot of things that even personally, I'm going to go and adapt to my life. Like that thing that was like a light bulb moment where you're like, we eating for the rest of our lives. Like for some reason, I never considered that. <laughs> so like, for me, that's sticking with me. But No, that's people always say that. Like whenever I say that, somebody will be like, light bulb. <laughs> <laughs> these last two questions, these are from me. I asked these to every guest to come on. So the first one okay. is, if you could study with any expert in the world, who would it be and what would you study? Shit, if I could study with any expert, I actually don't know. I don't know, but, like, one thing I will say, it probably doesn't answer your question, but I honestly loved working for and learning from Jolie, Mm -hmm. and I would literally go back and just spend days with Jolly to learn from him again. Like, yeah. <laughs> really. So I honestly don't know in terms of an expert. I've always been really intrigued with like um, sporting teams. Like um, I'm probably getting so off topic, but like sort of like my partner and I are really into NRL. So I've always been like, oh, I'd love to be like fly on the wall in like a sporting like team when they do all their like assessments and then set almost like their pre-season like Mm. assess everything and then how do they get the athletes ready I think that'd be really cool um but yeah like I said I honestly (laughs) love learning from Jolly as well that's such a cool answer like to be able to go into teams and how they plan for a season like that's yeah yeah that'd be really cool I think they, I reckon, like, just saying, I'm, like, a, I'm a big fan of the data. Like, I reckon they would just pull so much data and they'd analyse it all, and I just think it would be really cool to watch. <laughs> mm, like, I don't know if you know much about AFL, but there was a psychologist that got into the Richmond team, and this is before they were successful, like, a few years back. And one thing she noticed was that they needed more mindset training, mental health practice. And she started implementing all these routines in terms of mindset and mental health every single day within these players. And they end up winning the championships right after. And all these changes came in the club and the whole club changed just from this lady coming in, developing plans with these players in the whole club. And see, like for me, as someone who loves mental health, seeing something like that would be profound as well. So I feel like that would be the same experience for you going to like, uh, the Broncos or the Storm and seeing how they develop yeah. and put these plans in place. Yeah, for sure. And that's really cool. That's awesome of her to do that. I love yeah. that. Yeah, 100%. I thought it was cool too. And yeah, shout out to Joel too because, yeah, he like in terms of my growth in the gym, 
Like he was a hundred percent the man that helped me through that. Like he showed me everything I knew. He taught me everything I knew. And even now, like I still watch his stories and see what he's getting up to and sharing because he's someone that I resonate with a lot in this message because I like how there's no fluff in what he says. It's just like straight to the point. This is, this is what I'm saying. It's like it's entertaining, but it's educational as well. <laughs> Yeah, for sure. And he's always got like an in-depth lesson on things. Like I used to just go to him with one quick question and then I'd be like, oh, God, we're going to get a half-hour story. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I um, I messaged him and I said, I want to get you on the podcast. And he said, yeah, I'm keen. But he's like, I like to rant a lot. I was like, perfect. We'll make a good episode. <laughs> he loves to rant. <laughs> yeah, that'll be a good episode. I'm looking forward to that. My last question is, if you could have dinner with four people, past or present, who would you like to have dinner with? Four people? Yeah. That's a big one. <laughs> <laughs> um, definitely my dad. So, like I said, I lost my dad about seven years ago. And honestly, like one wish, it would be dinner with my dad. Um, and I think just like when I think about where I was at seven mm. years ago, I'd honestly love to just sit down and be like, Dad, look where I'm at. <laughs> mm. <laughs> like I think he would be so stoked to see it. So that'd be cool. Um, my partner, Shaq, I would have him there just because he's literally the light of my life. <laughs> um, and what did you say? Four people. Four people. It's a big table. <laughs> yeah. Shit. I don't even know. I honestly can't think. I feel like I should have done more prep for this. <laughs> well, we can just we can keep it if just you three. It sounds like a good table. Yeah, I'll just have the three of us, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so um, where can everyone find your work? How can people connect with the work you do as well? And, um, your podcast, your coaching, your nutrition, how can they connect with you and find you? Yeah, for sure. So Instagram is probably like the biggest place that I hang out um, and it's literally just eat underscore like underscore Ruby. And then my podcast is the Eat Like Ruby podcast. Um, and then we YouTube as well. So we put the podcast on YouTube, but we also do like workout videos, nutrition mm. videos and stuff on there as well. Mm, awesome. And I'll also link everything in the bio for this episode. So if you're listening, check out the bio link for Ruby's podcast and Instagram will be there as well. And do you have any final words you'd like to finish off the podcast with? Um, nothing in particular. Just thank you so much for having me. I think it's really cool to, I think it's cool to talk about like obviously I talk about nutrition and training all day, but in other spaces, like in mental health space or just even in like the business space or whatever, I think we get very caught up in just like weight loss or <laughs> body composition. But I think it's cool to take those things and look at how they apply to mental health or like we say business or whatever. So I think it's cool to just have these sort of combos. Mm, it was really good to have you on as well because like I said earlier there's so much gold within this episode and I'm keen for this to get pushed out into the world and for everyone to hear it so thank you for coming on and I appreciate your time no worries thank you so much alright thank you everyone for listening and I'll catch you next week <laughs>